Welcome to the Higher Self Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to help you unravel anything keeping you from a life of true abundance, joy, and happiness, which is your birthright. Each week, we'll bring in different guests specifically tailored to help you on your journey to discovering your higher self, whether it's spirituality, business, finances, health, or relationships, there are no topics that are off limits. So get ready and enjoy this week's episode of The Higher Self. Welcome to this week's episode of The Higher Self. Don't go nowhere, I'm telling you right now. I don't know what's coming, but I really feel like this is gonna be a powerful, powerful conversation. Um, I rarely, um, I know I shouldn't say this, but this is just the truth because I'm so intuitive with the conversation. I rarely get a chance to see like who's coming and people just like, show up and I, I kind of flow, but uh, Eric Godsey is here. Yes, sir. And, um, and, I, and I flipped through a couple of your videos uh, and, and I thought, oh, this is, I, I feel it already. Like I was like, this is, we're gonna go deep. So um, we were right about to start when you asked the question. So, yeah, uh, so I'll let you lead with the question and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Yeah, my question for you was, what was the moment that kind of turned you on to the quote unquote spiritual path? Because I went and I looked a bit and you were successful in real estate and people tend not to make that jump from being materially like successful to yeah. being in the space that you are. And then I asked if it was when your mom passed. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great question. Um, my mom's passing was the catalyst for my transformation because it was the catalyst for me to see that all of the constructs that I created about, about God, about life, about you know what is right, what is wrong, about happiness, about joy, uh, all of it was just a complete disaster. Mm. And it was all built upon not a solid foundation, um, but it was all built upon fear. Yeah. And, and when I went deep into that conversation, like I, I saw my, my mom passed away in my arms. Mm. Um, and I saw how I wasn't able to express or show her love when she was here. Wow. And I saw, and I, and I had to come face to face with the fact that she wasn't able to express or show me love um, because my mom's mom passed away when she was only 13 days old. So, so energetically speaking, you know, and this is what I try to share with our audience, our audience all the time is that you could know that it's time to heal. You could know that you can have a better life, but then to like, to like feel it here is a different story. And so like, I knew I should like hug and kiss my mom and I knew that she should hold me and, you know, maybe sit down and have conversations with me. And, um, and then yet none of that was my reality. Yeah. So as a result, I feel of that disconnection, um, you know, I constructed this life and this paradigm in life where power and success and materialism would get me that love that I was searching for my whole life. Right. And and then one day you're at the top of the mountain, bro, and you're you're literally, you know, my body was swollen, overweight with inflammation because of the disease within me. Um, um, my 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 relationship was falling apart, and, and I li I literally sat there and I thought, I don't know what's what but this whole thing is about to fall apart. This whole thing is built on shambles because yeah. everything that I thought was true, you know, was based off of, you know, the story that I was told about God through religion. And when you see your mother waiting for God to come save her and he doesn't show up. Yeah. And, and, and the answer that the pastor gives you is God works in mysterious ways. You're like, Fuck that. That yep. that that no longer works for me. Yeah. That 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 no longer this is my mom. This is my mom who went to church every weekend. This is my mom who, you know, fed the poor. This is my mom who tithed 10%. This is my mom who did everything that you're supposed to do. And this is also my mom who withered away in, in front of my eyes. And and I now realize that it was a soul contract, you know, that my mom had, and which makes her like I mean, just to think, you know what I'm saying? Like, just to think that that she chose to come here to go through this life so that it could help me awaken. It's just dope, man. It's just incredible. So, do you still have a relationship with her? Like, can absolutely, you, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's it. It's incredible, but I have more of a relationship with her now 
than I did when she was here. I, f I forgot where I heard that recently, but I heard someone say almost the same thing where it wasn't until their parents passed where it's like it gave them permission to connect to their like inner representation of them and actually like be with them each day. Like yeah. there's something about our parents being alive where we feel like they're over there. Yeah. But once they pass, if we choose to have the spiritual lens for it, we can feel that they're here. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. And she shows up via a butterfly to me. And it's in the most profound moments, the most like, yep. I know that's you, yep. you know? And um, so, yeah. How about you? What, 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 is this a path that you were always on that your no, parents showed no, you or? No. Yeah. Uh, I grew up an angry atheist and I like, I studied people like Christopher Hitchens and Sam Harris and I learned all the arguments of being like a self-righteous atheist. Whenever anyone would talk about religion, I'd be the first person to be like, this is why you're wrong. This is what, yeah. I have a memory where I made the local preacher's daughter cry in high school. And in hindsight, it makes, I, I feel shame about it, but I, I was clearly terrified of God and divinity. And so I was trying to kill it in other people. It wasn't until um, I kind of uh, haphazardly got into psychedelics when I was in college, like, um, my degree was in cognitive psychology and I was really curious how the mind worked. And I used to think that psychedelics were for druggies because like the people that I knew who did mushrooms in high school, like they were the people you didn't want to be. Sure. Um, but I discovered what a podcast was when I was in college and I heard a conversation between two people named Joe Rogan and Aubrey Marcus and I didn't know who they were, but they were talking about stuff and I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. So I got into psychedelics, um, do not recommend this, but I did a pretty significant dose like every weekend for a couple of months, but I did it like an investigator. Like well, What was pretty significant? Uh, between two to five grams of mushrooms and one to three tabs of LSD, and one of the times was DMT. Oh. But by the time that I got through all of that, still an atheist, like I was like, this is all the processes of the brain being acted on by exogenous chemicals. It wasn't until um, I went on a walk one day when I was like 21 and I was reading a book and I got to a chapter where I read a quote in the book where it said something along the lines, it was a book about a type of psychology called transactional psychology. And I read a quote and it was something like, the way to walk the world like a prince is to cast golden apples for other people to eat, but for you to eat yours on your deathbed. And I was like, that's cool. I look up because I'm about to turn onto a new street and in the middle of the street, inside of a suburb in central Texas where there all are no apple trees outside, there was a single apple in the middle of the road and it was the type of apple that's like half red, half gold. And the part that was facing me was all gold. gold. And I'm completely <laughs> sober mm -hmm. in this moment. And that moment cracked the scientific atheist opened in a way that it's like, I do not understand reality it is more magnificent than i can comprehend and science cannot answer all of it and that was actually the moment that like broke me open to at least being agnostic and being more open-minded what what did that feel like and i and i asked you because those moments are so present for me now when if i'm honest you know when i was in like my 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 religious days those moments didn't exist for me, right. you know. Uh, they, I don't believe they can exist um, when when you're when you're when you're when you're there. Um, and when I finally opened those moments that were like, wow, that just happened at that exact timing, and I saw this. And right. it's, it, it's just you start to kind of get used to them a little bit more, and they're right. no longer like as freaky. Mm -hmm. but what was that first moment like for you? Like I'm talking physically. Like yeah, physically it was a type of jarringness that was immediately coupled by like ecstatic laughter that produced the effect of like humility, 
but at the same time as if I was being held by a mother. You know, it was, it was like each of those, it was like, like almost horror level, like what the fuck? Yeah. Directly <laughs> coupled with laughter. And then this feeling of like, oh, I'm so small, but I'm held by something that's way larger than me that cares. And like for someone who grew up an atheist, that was a very foreign feeling. And really it's been like a 10 year process because that happened when I was probably about 20 and I'm 32 now. Like I'm just beginning to really relax into the trust of that super intelligent mother father thing that holds us yeah. you know and you know yeah. i'm still constantly remembering that i forgot you know yeah, for sure i know that feeling it, it happened to me during an uh, during an ayahuasca ceremony and you know one thing that i didn't realize about myself was that you know my whole life was external including my desire to quote unquote help people and to like speak to people and 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 hold seminars for people which i still do but from a much different space obviously right. you know back then it truly was whether i i realized it or not it wasn't about people it was about me right you know and uh i remember one ceremony it happened to be on a full moon um and we um i went so deep man so be, so deep into nothingness, like absolute nothingness. And I remember her telling me, now you're gonna sit with you. Mm. And, and I do this, cause it was this feeling right here of like, <clears throat> and I couldn't move, bro. I was like, and I wanted it to stop so bad because you know, you don't realize you do this, but you create this construct in your life that everything that you focus on is outside of you right whether it's i gotta get the new car or i gotta get the new shoes or the new purse or i gotta you know fill up my lips again or <laughs> i gotta like you know get more followers or i i i gotta i it's basically all about i need you to validate my existence so that i could feel what i can't feel within myself right and in that moment man i i i, I remember the inner the, the ceremony ending. And I remember feeling like you said, so small, so insignificant and so humbled that I literally had the thought, I don't think I'll ever speak again. Wow. Because nothing that I could say could come close to what I just experienced. Yep. It was profound. Be so like where I got my start as like an artist is, so I'm a writer and the first things that I started to write about were my trip experiences, you know? So like when I would do these things, like uh, I would write blog posts about what I experienced and uh, that really was the catalyst for the entire life that I have now. And the last most recent time that I went and I did ayahuasca, uh, when I was working on my trip report, I, I really was able to feel into this sense of like, whenever you go have a transformative experience to the degree that it's incomprehensible, which is almost always the degree to which it actually transforms you. Like with the research that's coming out of the universities that are studying the impacts of psychedelics on like addiction and trauma, what they find is the degree of the mystical experience is the best correlate to how dramatic people heal and how long the healing lasts. And we can go down that rabbit hole, but that implies a lot of things that kind of breaks our model of what it means to be healthy and like, you know, Newtonian physics, but that like, so to the degree it's incomprehensible tends to be to the degree that it's healing. What I recently realized was like, as a writer who who has these type of experiences the act of having the experience is like the hunter who sees the wild animal but the story that you bring back is the butchered animal you can't bring back the living deer that the hunter sees in the woods but if you're going to bring back anything you have to kill that animal 
and you have to cut it apart so that your tribe can eat. And so like storytellers, our job is to kill the sacred, but to do it like a hunter did, which is like, I pray, I bow, and I do it for my family. Because Michael Pollan has this quote, he wrote a book called How to Change Your Mind. And one of the quotes in there is it's like, to try to put words and sentences down from these incomprehensible experiences is to do it a type of violence. But to do otherwise is to literally leave it incomprehensible. And a quote from Terence McKenna is it's like, don't give in to the astonishment, bring it home. Hmm. You know, and so it, it's this dichotomy of like, will this story help the people who listen to me? Will yeah. this story help my family? If so, I have to kill this thing. And like the thing that's really nuanced for me is it's like, when I retell the story, the first time I retell it, I can remember that, oh, this is not it, I killed it. But by the fifth time I tell the story, if it's six months later, I have forgotten what the deer smelled like mm -hmm. when it was alive. And I start to believe the story is the thing that's true. And so whenever I go back and do ayahuasca or I do a deep breath work you know, experience again, I have the feeling of, oh, I forgot because I started to believe that the story was the actual living deer. Mm, I love that. I love that. That's profound. You guys might want to rewind that one a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you, you have, one of the things that I appreciate about you without knowing you too much is you have such a way of being able to articulate. Uh, where did that come from and was that always there? Yeah, so this is actually really interesting. Um, I've had a stutter my entire life. Really? Yeah, and it's here right now. So uh, when I was a kid, my sister would have to translate for me for my mom to know what I was asking for. And when I was in elementary school, I had to go to a speech pathologist and like she actually wrote a paper on my stutter because i guess there's a common way that kids stutter where they switch some type of vowels or consonants together but the way that i would do it was like unique and so she got to write a paper about it and um i i wish i could find her name but so my entire life it's like when i speak it's almost like it's guitar hero and like i can feel the words that are coming and I can feel on what words I'll stutter. And I, since I was a kid, I would try to find some other way to articulate the thing that I was trying to say so I wouldn't have to say that, that word sound. Right. 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 And uh, it's super frustrating and annoying, but like the byproduct of it has been like, I can speak really well when I'm calm. Mm. So like when I go on podcasts, I tend not to stutter because I'm calm. And there's also this thing about podcasting where it's like, okay, if the other person is listening, I'm supposed to talk. And my stutter never comes out when I go on dates. You know, so like when I'm with a girl and it's like her and I, like the stutter almost never comes out. The stutter comes out when I'm, when I feel like I'm hanging out with my friends. Really? And I can feel that like a sense of it is like when you're shooting the shit with your friends, like, because I can storytell well and I can articulate, I kind of start to capture people's attention. And there's a part of me that when I'm with my friends, it feels almost like it's wrong. Like, it, it, it feels like I'm taking up too much space. And then the thing starts to go. I got you. But the other thing that happens is like, if I'm working out, like if you try to talk to me while I'm working out, I'm almost guaranteed going to stutter. But it's because I'm like amped up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've done a bunch of work around it and, you know, like I'm at peace with it, but it's the gift of it is like, I'm able to articulate the way that I am, but in my head, it's like, oh, can't say that word. Okay. What's some other way? Oh, and it's, it, it can be exhausting. Wow. And I, you know what, for all of you who are out there listening, I hope you really grasp that because I gotta be honest with you about something. Um, it's been a while that I feel this kind of like vibe with someone on the show. Like I really feel you like, I don't know, I'm feeling you and I'm mm -hmm. feeling and I'm digging this conversation. 
and and I'm bringing that up because if you're out there listening to this, like so many of you, you're you you you've allowed your voice to be shut down. You know, you've allowed your voice to be silenced, and and in many ways, when you do that, you allow your life to be silenced because your ability to communicate is your ability to express what it is that you're feeling and what it is that is true to you. Mm -hmm. And if you have a difficult time sharing your truth, what you're really having a difficult time with is yourself and life yeah. in and of itself. And we find this in many ways like in relationships or in the potential of a relationship or in many ways like in a dating situation. Once you get into a deep enough relationship, you don't wanna let go of that relationship because that would mean something that you have constructed it to mean. And as such, instead of sharing your truth, like, baby, I don't like it when you do this, or I don't like it right. when you do that, or whatever, you instead, shh, you keep it inside of you. And, and that's one of the reasons why we struggle with illness. We struggle with um, body dysmorphia. Mm. We struggle with stress. We struggle with a lack of sleep. It's because we're not at peace. Yeah. We're not at peace with who we really are. And so my challenge to all of you is to share your truth because if you could learn to get past the fear that you have associated with speaking your truth, get ready because that's the medicine you've been needing and waiting for and watch life completely open up in an entirely beautiful way. Completely agree. So if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you'll know that I'm a strong believer and advocate for plant medicine and its ability to awaken and heal the mind, body, and soul. It's a belief that is deeply rooted in my own personal experience with both ayahuasca and psilocybin mushrooms. And many of you for years have always asked me, you know, Danny, where do I go? Who can I trust? And there is only one place I would ever recommend or put my name behind, and that is Reunion. Reunion is a place where you could set yourself free from whatever is holding you back from living the life of your dreams. It's a beachfront, beautiful property that is in Costa Rica. And what I love about it is that it's not for profit. And this is the only thing that they focus on is the preservation and the safe utilization of these beautiful, wonderful medicines. And I only feel comfortable putting my name behind it because I am personal friends and have journeyed with some of the members of the facilitating team. Guys, I'm honored to have aligned myself with them to create the Higher Self Scholarship Fund. It's a fund whose purpose is in helping people who don't have the means to experience these medicines and yet have the desire to. And every time one of you books a retreat with Reunion, $100 from every booking is going to go into this fund and we will be sharing this money with people on a monthly and bi-monthly basis. So help me help others by using the code DANNYREUNION when you go to register to experience your own life transformational journey. To find out more, go to reunionexperience.org and get ready. What really started to change my life, when I was, I think, 22, I had graduated college. I was working at Chipotle making eight bucks an hour because I didn't realize that a bachelor's degree in psychology doesn't mean shit in our culture anymore. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'd been in a relationship for a few years. It was my first major relationship. And we ended up breaking up. I had a back spasm where I couldn't walk for five days. She moved out on day two of the five days of me not being able to walk. And it was the rock, it was rock bottom. It, it was like, I'm alone. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And I literally can't fucking move like i had to piss into a cup on the like i had to roll to my side and like piss into a cup and uh i happened to hear about a book called the artist's way uh by listening to tim ferris's podcast and because of the magic of amazon i was able to get it to my house in one day and i started reading that book and the core idea of that book is to start this thing called um expressive writing and it's where every day uh, you write stream of consciousness first thing in the morning about whatever is on your mind until you fill three pages full. I felt something like religious in me 
tell me you need to do this. And so I started to do it every day. Within a month, I realized I had never created a space in my life to admit to myself the things that were uncomfortable, but that were true. What I realized was I hadn't been in love with my partner for almost two years. And because I was a coward, listen, I hurt her for two years because I couldn't even admit to myself that I had fallen out of love with her. I realized that I didn't like any of my friends. All of my friends were people who had the same coping patterns that I had because we were all resisting becoming who we wanted to be. Listen, listen. And then I also realized that I was mad at my body, that I didn't like, that I was actively angry and mean to my body because I was an athlete growing up and then it got injured. And from that point on, I was kind of like, fuck you, you failed me. Mm -hmm. And all of that arose in just a couple of weeks of me creating a space in my life to begin to tell myself the truth because what people especially extroverts what's really hard to appreciate is that whenever you're talking to someone like 99 percent of your unconscious mind is trying to track their body and their breathing and their eye movement and their body language and trying to determine whether or not they like us and we are conforming what we say and what we do to try to fit into what we think will make them like us. If you don't have a space in your life to cultivate connecting to what you actually feel and what you actually think, and you only know yourself through talking to other people, and this is especially true for extroverts, you could be like me and you could go four years in a relationship where you didn't have a single moment of actually contacting what was true for you or you could be friends with people for four or five years and realize I don't actually like any of them. And it's not because they weren't good people. Mm -hmm. It was because I didn't know how to be honest with any of them. So none of them saw me. And so it was just, I would just go get drunk with these people. That's right. Or I'd go play games with these people. Or these women, we would go touch each other in our genitals, but not know each other at all, just as a way for both of us to run away from the rest of our life. That's right. That's right. I don't think we need to do another podcast <laughs> yeah. ever again if you guys just listen to what the fuck he just said. It's, it's over. <laughs> Casper, turn off the cameras. Bye. It's over. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing right there. Is when you can get to a space when you can finally find that kind of honesty with yourself. And all of that, life opens up. And I think that what people don't realize is that the healing can start by you admitting the truth to simply yourself. Mm -hmm. Like that, because, you know, it takes some practice and some courage to say the uncomfortable thing to your partner that you haven't said in years or whatever. But can you at least in the privacy of your own heart admit it to yourself, to yourself. and yeah. just sit in the feeling? Because like one of the things that's so interesting is like, if we don't speak or write out our thoughts, our thoughts can get away with being really sloppy. But as soon as you speak it or you write it, you can feel either one, how stupid it is, and it just like its weight just evaporates. But then also there's the ones that when you speak it or you write it and you read it or you, you hear it, you instantly start to cry. Because there's a part of you that's like, it just resonates in the truth of like, oh my God. Yeah. Like. I'm afraid of my body yeah. or I haven't been in love with my partner for the last year or whatever it is. You know what, man? It's like, and, and that's the most profound way in which my mom's death transformed my life is that, you know, if, if I'm, if I didn't know how to be honest with myself mm. because there was a program I was living under and that program was become successful, get married, have kids, mm. you'll be happy. Right. And it was coupled with the program of you cannot have sex before marriage. Wow. So here I am. I'm Mr. Good Boy, right? And I'm genuinely one of those human beings that if you tell me not to do something or to do something, and if that means that me not doing something gets me to a better life, I will not do it. Right. I have no problem with that. Right. Right. Whereas like 90% of my friends would go every <laughs> Sunday to be like, and they'd be 
Yeah. Hooking up on the, you know, I just wasn't wired that way. In my high school, the church dudes were yeah. the dudes that actually had the most sex because the they would one. invite the girls to come to the <laughs> Sunday service. But the day before they were out, part, it was so funny. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, and so I, I lived under this, this, this paradigm and it was so interesting. You know, I, I've said this before, but you know, I, I remember my wedding day. I remember my wedding day, the videographer coming to me and putting the, the camera in my face and saying, what do you want to tell your new wife? And I'll dude, this is, it's like taking me back to the very moment because my face was swollen like this big mm -hmm. because I was so stressed out. Yeah. I didn't know that I was allowed to be stressed out. I didn't know that what I was feeling was that I was doing something that was you know, not in alignment with my deepest truth. I didn't, you don't know these things back then. You're just like, get married, have children, be successful. But How old were you? Uh, I was 28, 29. But the problem is that I was running the program since I was 15, 16. yeah. So you know what I'm saying? By the yeah. time you get 28, 29, you're like, it's never gonna happen. It's a, and then you just, you, you draw in from that energy. Right. And so I remember looking into the camera and just saying whatever, like I made it up, you know? And 13 years of that, I took my mom's passing away to mm. finally be able to honestly have the balls, the courage to look at myself and go, oh shit, you're not only not happy, you're actually absolutely miserable. Yeah. And, and, you've, and you've never allowed the space to be honest with yourself. And then when I finally started to do that, it's like, oh my God, what do I do now? Because that means that this community is not going to like me. Right. That means that if I do this, I'm a sinner now. Yeah. And the church people are not going to like me. And, you know, shit, I have this real estate empire. They're not going to like me. And, and this is what we do. And I think this is part of us escaping the system. 100%. It's like, it's like you, you've constructed this entire paradigm and this entire life where everything that you know is based off of right. the very energy of fear and non-truth to self that lives within you. Yep. You gotta understand this, guys. And then there comes a moment in time where it's like your future self tests you mm. and goes, all right, hotshot, what do you want? You wanna be happy or do you wanna stay in this misery? 100%. And if you wanna be happy, then you gotta have the courage to actually do something about it. That and will kill your identity. It absolutely, it killed like 50 of them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do. It you, know, you know what I mean? Like it, it killed 50 of my identities. And it was like this puzzle that one by one, all of the pieces yep. started to fall apart. And I remember literally seeing it. I was during a journey and I was like, I know what's coming next, it's shame. And my body would shake and release the shame. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, I know what's coming next, it's guilt. And I would wait for it and here it comes, guilt, fuck, guilt, fuck. And then my body would shake wow. and release it. And it was just like, it kept going and I go, "Wow, bro, it was like this, it was like, I know what's at the end, I'm gonna die. Mm. I'm gonna die. And I started saying all my goodbyes, you were like literally wow. started shaking everybody's hands like, but you know what, bro? It was like, I saw it and I was like, but you're going to reborn as like Neo from the Matrix. Yeah. I saw it. I saw it. So I started telling everybody, I was like, I I'm going to go somewhere, but don't worry. It'll be okay. I'll be back. And I'll be back a better version of me. And, and they were all like, what's happening to you? Right. Yeah. And I, and I even, I saw the light, bro. I saw the little white light. And right before I got to the white light, I realized it's like, I legitimately believe I could have died in that moment. Yeah. Like, physical 100%. goodbye yep. right and that's when i learned like the most beautiful gift is like source showed me you have a choice and that's when i whoa you mean i could choose right and in that moment i chose to stay you know because i had taken seven grams wow on that one yeah i was about, i was you're ready yeah. i was about, <laughs> There's a couple of things that come to mind here in the story, and, and I think that this is really important for people listening. So one, to the degree that we are competent is the degree to which our ego will be able to resist the first death 
that mm-hmm. needs to happen mm-hmm. and that people can get into their like 40s and not have had like in psychology and also you know this is in the bible when jesus says you know like in order for you to like be with me you have to die to your mother and die to your father and the idea from a psychological standpoint is all of us in order to survive as children we must co-regulate with our caretakers so regardless of how traumatized they are, which all of our caretakers were, yeah. regardless of how stressed out they are, regardless of what type of religious operating system they're using and what type of culture they grow up in, whatever they believe, we must co-regulate to them or else we die as children. And mm-hmm. if you're listening to this, you survive that stage. But that first world, we are either often, we are either the golden child of that world or we're the rebel of that world, or we're the forgotten one of that world. And are you familiar with the hero's journey? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So the structure of the hero's journey is how to die to that first world, go through whatever the dark material was that was repressed in that first world, and then you re-arrive into that world, and that world is reborn. The one of the ideas that I've been playing with is that the hero's journey is great for a culture a thousand years ago because cultures a thousand years ago only had to deal with their culture and at most whatever culture they traded with or were at war with. So at most two. The hero's journey doesn't work if you live in a time where you go on Instagram and you can run into 20 different worlds, like 20 different paradigms 20 different worldviews because what the hero's journey does is it rebirths you to the first world that you came from so like you have a rebirthed understanding of what christ is Mm -hmm. you have a rebirthed understanding of what it means to be successful within you know like the world that you grew up in and it will allow you to be a great father and mentor to the people in your life but you still have almost nothing to offer a person who comes from china or Tibet or Australia, you know, who have just completely different worldviews. Um, the world between worlds, I think, is best described by T.S. Eliot. He wrote a poem called The Wasteland. And the wasteland is it's it's the place without values, it's the place without stories, it's the place without God. And it's the place most of us go when we have that first death. Like most of us, it sounded like you got to a point where you had like good structures around you, where you were able to be with people who knew how to guide you. And like, that's rare for most people. Most people's first world, just like the matrix, breaks and they're alone. And this is often when they're on the bathroom floor crying. Mm -hmm. You know, and so like one of the things that I do with people that I work with is I try to help them map out like, okay, what was your first world? Who did you have to be? Like my first dream, my first world was a combo of the athlete's dream and the American dream that you articulated. Like go to college to get a job, to make enough money, to buy a house, to have kids, to have yeah. a wife. And, and then somehow I've made it to heaven. You right. Know? right. And at some point that story will break. And there's a lot of people now post COVID where we live in a culture with the level of inflation that we have and how fucked up most colleges are, where it's like that American dream is just kind of like, yeah, yeah. But that we, because we live in a time without mentors, like there's very few elders out here helping adolescents and adults transition between worlds. Um, we lose people in the wastelands. And so to go back to what I was saying earlier, I have people map out like, what was your first world like? Like, what was your dream? What was the moment that that died? And what was that time period like? Because that was your first excursion into the wasteland. And then you eventually found a new story. You know, what was that new world? And then the thing to really feel into is what would happen if that world broke? And I think that we lose a bunch of really great people in the wasteland because they kill themselves. You know, I think that, and that like what I feel in you is like you're on the path to being a mentor and to, and to being an elder where you can help like some of the most 
lost quote and this might trigger people but i really and I, I mean this sincerely some of the most lost people are the people who are trying to hold on to fundamentalist christianity mm -hmm. in a culture mm -hmm. where they use cell phones mm -hmm. and they're on airplanes it's like if you're a fundamentalist and you're on airplanes there's something deep inside of you that's like you're a hypocrite you're full of shit, mm -hmm. and it creates this tension in people that then makes them lash out and any person who can come from that type of world and then offer back, like there's actually a path here. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's a really great service to the it's, world. It's so interesting you bring that up because one of my biggest debates in my mind and for a while, the greatest fear that I had was telling the, the truth I now know to be about religion, Christianity, the whole thing, right. the whole system, the whole matrix, the whole everything. And I personally believe, I love you guys, but you know, if, if, if you're a Christian right now and you don't want the whole paradigm to fall apart, just press pause, fast forward, and don't listen to what I'm about to say. But I, 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 I believe, because I feel this for myself, that, that the greatest tragedy in life and the greatest lie in life is to keep a human being from knowing themselves. Right. And when you have to wait for someone else to come save you, what you're really what you're really avoiding is your true self, you know? 100%. And um it's a debate brother that I have in my mind. I probably question it 25 30 times a day, you know, because there's things I want to say but I I don't want to like purposefully rip people away from where they are in life. Right. Because that's not my role. Right. All I can do is offer love, guidance, help and and as people return back to their heart the light bulb goes off. And yeah. and and I've seen it happen. I, I'm thinking of some friends right now who there's a friend who it was like, man, it's like this moment is etched in my mind where it's when I first started to understand about breath work and about consciousness. And, you know, I think I had only done about three ayahuasca journeys back then or so, but I, but I, I started catching on to things pretty quickly, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and the, and this guy, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, he, he came to me and he said, um, he told me that he had been raped as a little boy. And it broke my heart because I hate injustice. I hate injustice. And I knew that he was having a hard time with money. And the only answer back then that I knew was, because I had just done it, was take him to Costa Rica with you and like help him do some ayahuasca. And so that's what I did. I paid for everything. Because I because I love him. And I, I love us all, really, you know, when you can really tap into that part of you. And, um, and anyhow, he, he then started on the journey with ayahuasca and mushrooms, so forth and so on. And I remember the moment where I was giving my, my seminar, my talk, and I was skirting around the idea of religion. And I, re I remember his eyes go, oh my God, because he, he wasn't, he was that guy that he was in church three times a week Yeah, because they had guilted him into and therefore, he was very meek. He was very quiet. Mm -hmm. He had issues with money because he had issues with himself. And he was very easily manipulated and right. used in that way because of what he went through. And, and now he's doing wonderful. You know, he's doing That's wonderful. beautiful. Yeah, he's doing wonderful. Yeah. There's, so there's three things that I want to touch on. One is, uh, you know, kind of like playfully, I hope that you can at least write down those things that you want to say j just so you can like see them. I because, will do that. Yeah, because like- Oh, I think them all the time. They will haunt you yeah. until they're spoken. Yeah. Um, the other thing is just real quick, I'll offer what my perspective is on God because I grew up, like I went to church a few times, but I came home very young with a lot of questions and my mom was just like, you don't have to go. You know, like I was just so like, yeah. what? But- um. Are you familiar with Jungian psychology at all? No. So Carl Jung was a peer of Carl Freud. Jung, yeah. 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 And um, I, I love his stuff. Like I feel him as like a spiritual grandfather. 
But um, from a Jungian lens, religion makes a bunch of sense. And so what I would offer is there is a fundamental, absolute whole that, and I don't mean whole as H-O-L, but W-H-O-L, that we, that we use the word capital G God to speak about. If you hear the capital G God word and you think of a man or a woman or anything with a personality, you're wrong. Right. Because a personality implies that there is something that it's not so that it can be a thing. That's right. Like this might sound like psychobabble to people who don't want to understand what I'm saying, but That's if you right. look at any object in your experience right now, in order for it to be an object, there is everything else that it is not. Mm -hmm. So there's the table, but then there's everything else in the room that is not the table. And that's what allows for the table to have to any, table. right. Yeah. Words are the same thing. All words are cutting up the infinite so that we can pay attention to a finite. A personality is like a table or is like a word. Mm -hmm. If your God feels like a person, it's not the capital G God. Capital G God is boundless. Infinite. Infinite. You can't structure it. Right. You can't. Yeah. And and to even say it's masculine or feminine is to yeah. miss the point. Right. But then there's the lowercase g gods. And there's thousands of these That's right. gods. That's right. And these are the gods that most people argue about. But none of them are the capital G God. And the lowercase g gods, really what they are is they're characters mm -hmm. embedded inside of myths that are like a religious version of a movie with a character. Yeah. Because what stories do, because myths and movies are both stories, what stories do is they imply laws of nature, you know, because every story is embedded inside of a world that has laws. And then the character is an example of how to respond to the laws within that world. And the characters that we admire are the characters that, that some part of us wants to try out. Mm -hmm. And the characters that we hate are something in us telling us we don't want to try it that way. That's right. And all religions, all myths, all fairy tales, all that shit, are humans trying their best to work out how ought we act in the world. And so Yahweh is a character from a people who lived in the desert, you know, like a 1,500 years ago, who had to deal with war. If you go to South America, many of their gods are female and aren't at war, and their landscape is a rainforest. It's lush. There's more than enough food that they don't have to compete and fight. And, they, and so these gods arise out of the land that the people live on because they're trying to figure out how to move through. Christianity specifically got a lot of things right enough where it got to the point where it became a world power yeah. and it got corrupted. And it, you can just take a cursory stroll through the last 1500 years and look at what the catholic church has done mm -hmm. and the atrocities that it has committed just to see that there's this dichotomy between genuine religious orientation and domination and to your point uh there's a lot of really smart people who have made their own version of the quip and i think young actually has a quote but it's like um, religion is an invention of the church to keep people from connecting to God. Yeah, that's right. Because the idea that that's you were right. touching on is that if you are taught that there is a mediator that you have to go to, mm -hmm. Allah the priest, mm -hmm. for you to have direct communion that's right. with source, that's right. you are a subjugated person. Yeah and you have been denied your most Truth. fundamental human right that's right which is your connection to divinity that is unmediated by any other by person anything. and we that's all of our birthright and and in essence your power your truth right your true being and so if you're a huge corporation or government or church and you want the people to follow you to pay you mm -hmm. to listen to you mm -hmm. you teach them that they are not able to connect directly with God. And just a quick story that I want to offer is, 
in ancient Greece, they had this idea called the daimon. And the daimon was a guardian spirit that connected you, that was created for you by God to help you on your life that was an emanation of God. That word daimon eventually got converted into demon because the church, and I don't know this to be a fact, this part I'm about to say right now, but this is just my hypothesis and it makes mm -hmm. sense, mm -hmm. is that the church was incentivized to cut off people's direct relationship with divinity. 100%. And so they took that ancient Greek word that had been the word for hundreds of years about this is the thing inside of you that bridges you to the most high. It got changed to the word demon. And then we got to talk about how, oh, that's a demon, that's a demon. Right. You know, we are the bridge, we are the bridge. And, and, and that's why so many, I mean, when I first heard of ayahuasca, I called it the devil. Mm -hmm. Because it has to be the devil. Because if it's not, my world's fucked up. My world is fucked up. That's exactly it. Hey, thanks for watching this week's episode of The Higher Self. The reality is, is if you're watching this show, it's because you are searching for more and you know deep within your heart and soul that there is more potential from your life. Maybe you desire true financial abundance and freedom. Maybe you desire to heal the fragmented parts of you. Or maybe you just, maybe you desire to attract the relationship of your dreams and be in a relationship with passion and true love. Whatever the case may be, that is what we specialize in. We specialize in helping you and guiding you to healing the fragmented parts of your life that have created these stories in your mind that keep you from living the life of your dreams. If you want to find out how we can guide you in that process, my mastermind inner circle does just that. It's a group of like-minded individuals that is wanting the absolute best out of life and will not settle for anything less. We get together four times a year in person and twice a month online. If you're in a place in your life where you're ready to discover your truest potential, then Inner Circle is for you. Message us the word Inner Circle right now on Instagram or Facebook at Danny Morell. Our team will message you back and begin to share with you the details about what it would take for you to join our Inner Circle. Message us the words Inner Circle right now. Can I tell you something? Yeah, you, you, you're gonna you're gonna trip out on this one. Um, but rem remember when I said you 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 know if you want the truth and you and if you want to tap into who you really are, there's a part of you that has to die. It happened to me to me two times. The first um, world, my world was falling apart. I knew I was unhappy. I was finally able to like feel that and articulate it that that I'm unhappy. And, you know, and yet at the same time, I was like willing to try to save the marriage, you know, because that's what you're supposed to do, you know. Um, and, um, and so I did. Because I wanted to talk to the pastor. And because of who I was, which was like, you know, pretty well off, I would cut some big checks, I would tithe, I had a big, you know, following in the real estate community. Like, I didn't go to like the lower level pastor. I went to like the big dog pastor, you know. And uh, I went in his office and I'm sitting there. Again, I don't know what I know now. I don't know what I know now. Um, hadn't even done ayahuasca yet, right? But I'm sitting there and, 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 and it's us two right here and the pastor's sitting right there and you know he's opening up the book, so forth and so on. And he's like trying to convince me. He's trying to convince me essentially to not follow my heart, you know? Um, and he's trying to convince me through his words. He's trying to essentially program my mind to do or not do this certain thing that I feel in my heart is the thing that I need to do. And I could be right or wrong, by the way, but, but I'm feeling like uh, this, is, this, is, this is my truth. This is my truth. And he starts rattling off the reasons why I can't do this. And I've said this before on the show, but you're going to get a kick out of this. Once it was, it was interesting because I could sit back and I could look at him now. And I could, if I'm honest with you, 
I could look at his unhappiness in his own relationship. For sure. A million percent. Masked with this righteousness. But, but I see it. Because I could see it in her. I never saw her smile. Never once. Never once. See, but people don't know this. People don't know to look. People don't know to look. People, people just believe what's being said from the podium. But look at the energy. And but while you're at it, look at the energy of the people. How many are massively overweight? How many are unhappy? How many are sick? How many are cheating? How many are drinking? How many are stuck in pornography? How many? It's because they're in the energy of fear. And so he sits there and he's, he's, he's talking to me and you could, f you could feel him arrive at his wits end mm. because it wasn't working. And I wasn't being mean. I wasn't, I was just like, yeah, but what about me following my heart? And what about right. me? You know, like, I, I was just like, honestly asking like an honest question. Like where, where does like what I feel come into play? And I was asking like, as a student, by the way, like, like, please tell me, cause I'm confused here. And, and you could tell he had run off of, run out of like, you know, mm -hmm. cards to play. And he looks at me, he closes the book. He says, you know what? He says, if you make this decision right now, you will lose all of God's blessings on your life. Bruh. Bro, that was the greatest fucking gift that anyone could ever give me. Because by that point in time, I, I was conscious enough to go, I don't know a lot. And I may not know what love is, but that what, what came out of your mouth wow. is not love. Yeah. That is manipulation. Yep. And manipulation comes from evil. Manipulation comes from darkness. Wow. Manipulation comes from control. And that's something that was what he uttered was so out of accord with what our guts know about whatever God is. It's not it's that. not that. Yeah. And that's what I and I sat there in silence and I go, it's time to go. Wow. I know, I now know, thank you, because you just helped me make the decision that I know I have to make. Thank you. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Where where the opposite is what he was trying to do. Right. I was aware enough to flip it and go, whatever cage I'm in right now, I'm getting the fuck out. Yeah. The thing that's heartbreaking is how many eight-year-olds get spoken to like that I from know, someone with robes. I know. And that in Christianity specifically, there's a, there's a certain sin, I forget the name of it, that it's the one sin that if you commit it even once, you will never be forgiven. And I believe this is in Catholicism. And it's where if you, in the privacy of your own mind, question whether or not God's real, that that sin is um, unforgivable and that you are damned to go to hell. I and mean, how perfect of a fucking, like how? The amount of child abuse that has come through that thought structure, like, I'm grateful that you were at a point in your life where you were able to receive someone threatening you with God, that you were able to, to see through that. Yeah. And the heartbreaking thing is, you How know. How many don't? Because it's being said to children. Yeah. And there's this really interesting thing that's happening in our time, and I touched about it a bit when I talked about like all of the mainstream fundamentalist arms of all of the main religions they're in this really weird state right now because the scientific worldview has been so dominant that they live within it and depend upon it but their fundamentalist views don't mesh with the boat that they're on mm -hmm. and it's creating this inner tension and the thing that creates like zealots you know like the thing that creates like ideologically possessed people is doubt. Mm -hmm. So if you're a fundamentalist in our time, there's a doubt in your heart. And what people do in response to that is they double and triple down on the fundamentalist beliefs to the point where, you know, like they believe that 
the dinosaurs existed with people a few thousand years ago, or they believe that evolution is completely, you know, made up. And that like, like there were millions of people that truly believed that somehow the next coming of Christ and Trump were intermeshed with each other in a way that got them to vote a certain way or to believe a certain thing. And it's like, the more there are people like you who can really bridge to those communities and like let them know like there is another place mm -hmm. that you can come to that is more beautiful and I promise you, you're not going to go to hell forever for having come here. That's like right. it's it's actually safe to walk out on yeah, this bridge. Right. And you know, you know, if there are any, if if I'm grateful for anything, man, it's that I came in this shell. Because as you know, due to fear and due to separation, you know, like people like me and you. 10 years ago in high school, we probably would not have like, Hello. you know, I would have been judging the shit out of you. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And you said something earlier. You said something where it's like, you know, when you're sitting in conversation with someone, uh, when you were explaining the stutter, when you're sitting in conversation with someone deep in your subconscious, it's like you're worried about them liking you or not. Mm -hmm. And I could tell you, man, with, with, with every fiber in my being, it's like it just feels so good to be a human being who is able to connect with you because none of that exists. Mm. Like, I don't see you as different than me. Where I once did. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I was programmed to. Because it's the white guy's fault or right. whatever bullshit. Because I was living in the ghetto or whatever the case may be. And, and also that happens in, in the spiritual world. Yeah. You know, where someone that, you know, maybe looks like you is like a hippie or whatever. And it's just, we as human beings, we construct all of these paradigms to keep us away from ourselves is what we really do. And to keep us away from each other, you know? Yeah. So I'm so grateful that I come in this shell, right? Because for people that look like me, that have never had the space to question what they probably deep in their hearts already question, but to be able to question the fact that like a Hispanic or a minority, that's a whole nother bullshit construct, can can make it in life and can make an impact and, you know, that a man can be loving and at the same time be a provider and and and, and be a a, a a great father and and be a partner and be a friend. It's like, I'm grateful that, that I come in this shell because in many ways, like I, I'm able to mirror back to people all of the stories that they've believed their entire lives about why they can't live an abundant, beautiful life. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. And, and, uh, and I'm so grateful for you, dude. Like, uh, I don't want this to end. Like this is, I haven't said this in a while. You guys know this, but this is one of my favorite conversations. Wow. It, yeah, because I really get excited about things. And uh, yeah, man, I, I, I have a lot of love for you. I don't know what it is, but I know what it is. It's just that we, we when, you, when you do the work, you, yeah. know, you know, whatever the work is, you just get to this good space and you're able to just talk and, and be real. Yeah, yeah, the thing that comes to mind, and I feel the same way, is that uh, like in the same way that navy seals who go through hell week together like they don't even have to have gone through at the same time but if they meet anyone else who has there's just this like look in the eye of like oh i've seen that you've been to that place yeah there are i brought this up on a podcast a few years ago and people really liked the idea but it's like there's a group of people who are in their first worldview and then there's a group of people who are in their second worldview. And then there's people who are in at least their third worldview. And to break this down for a moment, if you're in your first worldview, you're in the one that you were born into. You are Neo who hasn't taken the pill yet. Right. World two is when you've gone through that first death. You know, and so like this is like, oh, maybe I won't go to hell if I touch my dick or whatever the thing right. is, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And then and then you come into world two 
And World 2, the thing about World 2 is people can think that World 2 is the capital T truth. It's not until you've died to two worldviews and you've arrived at the third where it's the part where it's me in the road looking at the apple being like, oh, I, I fundamentally do not know, but I trust it. That like people who are in the third worldview plus they can hold opinion strongly, but if you really press them, they'll open their, you know, shirt and, and show you, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just along for the ride. And it's the people who have gotten to the place of, I don't know, but I'm still going to be passionate about shit. Yeah. Those are my people. Yeah, I like that. You know, and I can feel that you've had enough experiences where it's like, I'm going to have strong beliefs. Yeah. But like when I drink that cup and I lay down on that mat and it gets oh. dark, I don't know, goddamn thing. I'm letting go of the wheel and I'm just going to let it take me where it takes me. That's right, man. That's right. Absolutely. How do people follow you, find out more about you? Yeah. Uh, my Instagram is my name and my podcast is called The Myths That Make Us. The Myths That Make Us. And your name again, just so that Eric. Eric God C G O D S E Y. Beautiful. That's it, guys, for this week's episode of The Higher Self. Listen, I know we. I know we pushed you a little bit on this one. Um, I would um, I would ask you to just sit with that, sit with whatever's coming up for you. And um, hopefully we've built enough trust with each other where you know, um, whether it's through our post or our show or whatever, that um, there's something there for you. And, 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 and there's, a <clears throat> there's a medicine for you if you allow yourself to to drink of it and to accept it. Um, and my hope is that that medicine would open up a part of you that maybe hasn't been opened before. We'll see you next week on The Higher Self. Thanks for watching this week's episode of The Higher Self. If you heard something in this week's episode that caused you to think maybe, just maybe, there was a higher potential for your life. Maybe there was a potential to earn and receive financial freedom, to attract the relationship of your dreams, or to improve your health. That's what we specialize in. We help wonderful human beings like yourself to unravel all of the limiting thoughts, feelings, and emotions that you've been living through so that you can finally tap into your life's truest potential. If you'd like to talk more about that, we invite you to join us on Instagram or Facebook and email us the word discover more. And when my team sees that, they will reach out to you, send you the details of how we could help you on your pathway to a life of abundance, fulfillment, and creating the absolute life of your dreams. Message us right now, the words discover more now on Instagram or Facebook, and we'll see you soon.